that's why I think it's important for our people never to uh, lose sight of the fact that we're not um, needed in this profession. I think we're needed today more than we're needed ever before. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. What up, Black and Blue fan? Welcome to the latest edition of the Black and Blue Podcast, where we celebrate diversity in U.S. law enforcement. My name is Dale, and I'm the host. Thank you for checking me and my show out. Let me also ask you to click those like, subscribe, and bell icons right down here on my YouTube channel. It really helps the show out a lot with those algorithms and such. So uh, if you're also listening to me on your favorite podcast platform, please rate the Black and Blue Podcast five stars. And finally, Make sure you check me out on any one of my social media pages for even more content. You can find me everywhere at Black and Blue US. All right, so with that down, let's jump right into it, shall we? So uh, today's guest is the chief of police in the beautiful state of Maryland. So Black and Blue fam, let's give a warm welcome to Montgomery County Police Chief Marcus Jones. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> How you doing, sir? I'm doing fabulous. How are you, Dale? I'm excellent out here in Southern California. Yeah, well, I was hoping I was hoping I could enjoy some of that weather you got out there, but just going to send it this way. <laughs> hey, we we we've been raining out here for the past month or so. Uh, you know, we've been through a drought, but now we're getting it all right now. So I heard, I heard, back. I heard, understood, understood. Yeah, yeah. What kind of weather are you guys experiencing right now? Actually, not too bad. We're you know, early spring, so. Uh, generally, we're around the 60s. Uh, you know, days can go up and go to go down, but uh, we're happy to see that uh, spring is moving forward. So we're ready no for doubt. that. So yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, my daughter's out there going to school. So yep, she tells me about that. We just spoke to her the other day, and she yeah, hasn't experienced right. the yeah. real. She yeah. hasn't experienced the real weather out there, the real <laughs> winter. So no, we yeah. haven't done that to her yet. I haven't done it to her yet. <laughs> all right all right so uh, as i mentioned out there in the uh, intro that you were the chief of montgomery county maryland where, where is that situated for uh, the viewers and listeners so for the viewers and listeners uh montgomery county maryland borders washington dc on the northwest side so uh the way i try to help people understand a little bit about montgomery county is if we go back in history a little bit uh, a little bit about uh, close to about 20, 22 years, uh, 21 years now. I remember the D.C. Sniper case. This is where um, that infamous case uh, started from. So uh, we have cities like um, Rockville, um, Bethesda, Silver Spring. Um, again, we border the northwest side of D.C. So, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of Bethesda. Isn't uh, one of the Naval Academies or something's in Bethesda, right? So not the Naval Academy, but we actually have the Bethesda uh, Naval Hospital is here. Okay. So generally where uh, the presidents are brought uh, for medical treatment and a lot of military personnel are actually brought out here to Bethesda. So, yeah. Um, so a lot of other like the Food and Drug Administration um, and the National Institutes of Health are actually here. They have large campuses in the counties. So, right, right. All you guys, you in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia, all encompass what they call the DMV, right? That is correct. Yep, that is exactly right. It's a lot of uh, coordinating uh, efforts with the District of Columbia, with uh, uh, Chief Conti there, uh, Chief Aziz in Prince George's County, which is uh, which is our neighbor. Uh, both of our neighbors, uh, and again, uh, and then on the right across the river is Fairfax County, um, and Arlington and Alexandria. So it's a lot happening in this uh, general area. Absolutely, yeah, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And are you originally from that area? No, actually, I grew up in the southern part of Virginia, though I was born in Baltimore. Um, but uh, in my, and a lot of my family still lives in Baltimore. Uh, but I was raised in southern Virginia, uh, which is where both of my parents are from. Um, and uh, I ended up uh, going to college um, in Richmond uh, at Virginia Commonwealth University, also known as VCU. Um, and then I ended up coming here, starting my career here about 37 years ago. All right, 37 years, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow, you're a lifer. So you, you saw that case. We were talking about the D.C. sniper. You were there during that time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was actually, I was a, I was a sergeant in Bethesda at the time that the D.C. sniper case was initiated. Uh, it was an interesting time because, um, you know, that, that whole incident was about three weeks. Um, and two weeks into it, I got transferred. Um, as a supervisor in our narcotics division. So my role uh, changed from being a patrol sergeant to actually being um, on a part of the surveillance teams um, in order to uh, try to identify and catch these guys. So uh, it was a very unique uh, time uh, and experience during, uh, through, that, through my career to, to be a part of that, uh, that major investigation at that time, which is crazy, yeah. Yeah, I mean that obviously made its way all the way out here to California, and that was that was a crazy case. They made uh, you know documentaries and TV oh, specials yes. and all that. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, refresh my memory. What what happened to those two? So, uh, uh, so the 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 elderly the guy who was not elderly, but he was uh, sort of that father figure, Muhammad. Um, he actually uh, was convicted uh, in Virginia. Um, of the murders that they committed in Virginia. Um, and actually, uh, they gave him the death penalty, and they served that. Uh, he, you know, he actually was uh, put to death um, really not many years after. I want to say it was within about an eight-year period. Um, the, young, the young gentleman um, who was a juvenile at the time is still serving um, a life sentence. And, in fact, um, I think they're going to be resentencing him in in Maryland because of some changes in the legislation. But, you know, for the most part, um, he is probably going to serve the vast majority of his life in prison. And he's in prison wow. in Virginia now, currently, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. And uh, and your, your department, how, how large is it? So our departments, uh, we have about uh, authorized strength of uh, 1,200. Uh, plus officers. Um, again, we are one of the larger police departments in the country. Um, uh, we're a member of what they call Major City Chiefs Association. Um, so we have about 1.1 million people who live in Montgomery County. So it's a pretty large uh, populated area um, right outside of D.C. So, yeah, so it's uh, so a pretty, you know, a large department, but not as large as some of our other friends who may not have as many people to serve, but they've got a lot of other responsibility like the district of Columbia. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, you do a lot of coordinating and allied efforts with those departments as well. So it's all one big happy family, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, you have to do a lot because our borders are, are really are very close knit and, you know, crime, um, whatever's happening doesn't necessarily have any borders. Uh, so you have, in, you know, individuals who are committed these crimes who may come from my jurisdiction going into other jurisdictions, vice versa. So we have to do a lot of communicating with each other as we we address a lot of issues that impact our communities collectively. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that uh, you're a county police department out here in California. We don't have county police departments. They're all county sheriff's departments. Right, um, right. Are, are there sheriff's departments out there as well? There are. In fact, in Montgomery County, there is a sheriff's department um, in Montgomery County. In any in the, the state of Maryland, there are some unique um, uh, counties that do have their own police departments, um, such as Prince George's County, which is our, uh, as I noted, which is our next door neighbor. Baltimore County has their own police department, um, Howard County, and then the majority of the other um, our uh, jurisdictions in the state of Maryland um, are maybe led by their sheriff's department as the primary law enforcement agency. So there's a special charter rule that allows that 
uh, for certain counties to have their own uh, police departments and have a separate function outside of the sheriff's department. Gotcha. But again, the uh, you are not elected. Is that is that right? That's correct. No, I serve at the pleasure of our county executive, i.e., like the mayor of of a, of a city. Right. So I am an appointed. I have, I'm an appointed uh, a chief of police. Gotcha. Gotcha. And in your thirty plus years of <laughs> of uh, service there, I'm sure you've seen a lot. What What was your uh, your impetus? Uh, your origin story as you as it were for you getting into uh this position uh in, in the police department and, and why'd you pick montgomery county yeah you unique it is uh both of those questions uh first and foremost my father was a baltimore city deputy sheriff um and so i was always impressed by um my dad i had some other family that was were uh in the profession um and other functionalities i have a cousin who's a Maryland State Trooper. My uncle was a prison um, administrator, actually a prison guard who rose through the ranks in, that, in his in his position. So I always had that interest. Um, and ironically, I went to college. And when I went to college, I majored in business um, and actually personnel management, human resources management, um, that later I would come to find that uh, uh, has, has proven to be a, a good uh, basis for uh, what I do today. Um, but by actually how I actually uh, got to Montgomery County was my older brother um, was actually at Morgan State University um, and he graduated from Morgan. Um, and then he came here to Montgomery County um, and joined the police department. Um, and we were talking about it as I was putting myself through college. And he said to me, hey, man, I think this would be a great place for you. Um, and I, it has a lot of excellent benefits. Uh, to include helping to pay for your college. Um, and I looked into it, came up and did some ride-alongs, and I was hooked. Um, and so here I am 37 years later, um, you know, still doing the do in, in its own right, but uh, in a different in a different role, of course. Yeah, definitely, of course. But, uh, yeah, that's, you've seen a lot. I mean, you know, over 30-plus years in that. We're talking about the, uh, the uh, D.C. shooter and all that as well. And, oh, uh, yeah. you know, also, yeah, also we're, we're talking about off air that, uh, you know, there was a shooting in, in Nashville today at mm-hmm. an elementary school where, uh, I think it was, uh, five people were killed. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's, what's your thoughts on school shootings and, and just our gun culture in general? Yeah. Yeah. Going right to like school shootings. I mean, um, I'll tell you, it's been a much public debate here in Montgomery County. Um, in fact, um, I was, I've been the chief here now for, all nearly four years, and um, a couple of years ago, um, our, you know, after George Floyd, there was a lot of discussion about we have we had school resource officers assigned to our schools, and so there was a lot of debate about taking the officers out um, because they felt like it had this that there were those who felt like there was this negative impact, particularly from a racial component on the impact of our officers being in the schools. And, you know, there's those that debated, and I think there's a lot of uh, 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 quick judgments um, and decisions made that might have been not necessarily the right decision. But we had to have some, in Maryland, there's a requirement that you have to have some um, officers that are actually assigned to your schools. Um, there's, and, and in regards to that law, you, you have to have uh, some, some ability to have officers who are going to monitor your school. So we didn't completely take them out, but we did. It was impactful um, the way that we did it. So, and ironically, um, probably about six months after us taking them out, uh, we ended up having a school shooting. We had a student uh, get shot inside of one of our high schools and that had never happened. Um, and, uh, and that was, you know, again, um, I was just stressed, you know, as we talk about sort of my 37-year career, um, you know, and I, I, I worked a lot in the, in the narcotics world during the crack epidemic um, and saw a lot of violence at that point in time. But I will honestly say I never saw gun violence to this level where we are today, um, particularly we, that was sort of unthought of in our schools, right? Um, and so first of all, I think it, does beg the question that we have to have this 
um, serious conversation with our communities about um, really about safety and protecting our students and our staff, um, and that law enforcement has a role there. But you know, we shouldn't go in, and, and I'm I'm totally against us going in 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 a in a sole enforcement uh, mindset and dealing with discipline issues about schools. That's not the role of law enforcement in our schools. And we should be very, very careful about that. And I think if you set clear goals, um, rules of engagement uh, with your school, with your you know school boards and um, your your uh, your school systems, then you develop a better process about, and you give these guidelines to your officers so you know what they can get engaged in and what they shouldn't get engaged in. Because a lot of times I think there are people who think that teachers sometimes just want to call the police to come in and handle, you know, an unruly student um, that they technically should be handling themselves or yep. the school has a better way of handling that. So, um, so again, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm totally for officers roles in school that I think that help to deter crime um, that can also be very preventative in its own right and to allow officers to develop relationships in those schools with young people. And we've had a lot of success in years past. We've tried to express that in many ways of preventing some crimes from even happening because students came to the school resource officer and provided the information in advance, and it did really prevent um, any further tragedy. So for me, you know, gun violence is real in school. I mean, there's the, the evidence that, you know, as we continue to unfortunately see, hear about these sad cases like in Nashville today, this is real stuff. It can happen anywhere. Um, and, and, you know, again, that's a private school that it happened at that has a religious um, uh, background to it and support. So, you know, again, it doesn't matter. I think we all have to put these safety measures in place. And where we are in gun violence today, I tell you, uh, Dale, it, it's very disheartening as a chief when I see the amount of illegal guns on our streets. And not only that, but I'm seeing too many uh, young men of color, primarily, who are getting their hands on these illegal weapons and utilizing them in a way that uh, never really was utilized before. And so that disturbs me because it says that, uh, you know, that now you know, particularly people will try to, and it's not just young people because we see this in adults as well, where people are trying to utilize guns as the way of resolving disputes. You know, it's, and, and, you know, not that violence should ever be the answer, but now you're starting to see these guns roll out on the, the, the you know, smallest of, uh, of disputes that, uh, you know, especially with young people, you see whether it's disrespect over social media, um, there's, you know, just beefing that's going on as, you know, not that in all of our lifetime, we didn't experience some of that as we were young and coming up through, you know, in our teenage years. And, um, as we, uh, um, you know, grew into adulthood that we all have gone through some of that, but to see the level of it now, it really is disturbing in my mind. And we, I think we, as a society, um, we in our communities have to really kind of look, dig deep and figure out how can we get to these folks to say this is there's a better way. Right. And and we've got to figure out what is the better way. Yep. Yep. Because absolutely. When when you and I were coming up, uh, if you had beef with somebody, you know, you, you fought it out. Um, right. You know, maybe maybe. I mean, because, you know, you can go back to West Side Story and even before that, you know, where some people bring knives. But for the most part, you know, it'll be, right. you know, hands. And, uh, yeah, you might get your butt kicked, but you live through it and then That's you right. live to see yes. another day. But today, yeah, I mean, and they yeah. don't even care because because I would always be of the fact that, you know, if you need to bring a gun, then, you know, anybody can shoot a gun. You know, my, my three right. uh, three year old little kid can shoot a gun, you know, but, you know, mm -hmm. so it, it's just a different time. Yes. Yes, it is. And I mean, we all have to adapt to the to the time change. Right. Um, and it, it may it requires us to do something a lot deeper than than maybe our parents had to do it. I mean, I remember, you know, I remember elders in the community who could have that conversation with folks, even when there were disputes and however those disputes were handled. Um, yeah. So we all got to, we all got to play a role in this in some way, form or fashion. So no, uh, no doubt. 
Yeah, absolutely. It takes a village. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. All right. And, uh, you know, on the, on the subject of taking a village and children and all that, uh, what's the family life for you? Well, uh, you know, I'm blessed. I have have three uh, beautiful children. All my children are adults now. Um, uh, you know, all of them are college graduates, and um, it is a, a blessing that my wife and I really uh, are very proud of them, and, and they do a variety of different jobs. Uh, two of them were actually teachers. One of them has actually uh, moved out of the teaching profession, I think, only for a temporary uh, Tom, he may he may beg to differ, but uh, but my kids are great. Um, they again they live in the uh, in Montgomery County in the D.C. area. So uh, again, we're very proud of them and what they've done um, uh, uh, through the years. Yeah, but none of them followed in Dad's footsteps, huh? <laughs> no, you know it was funny. I, I think I had I had a shot of one of the three, uh, but but she went into what I call public service. I think. Uh, teaching uh, is a public service as much as uh, law enforcement, um, and she's doing very well. I'm proud of her. And again, uh, I, I was stating my son also was a teacher for about uh, eight years here in the county, um, and I think he's just taking a little bit of a break, um, and testing some other professions out. He actually was a film major um, at uh, at Towson University and outside of Baltimore. So. Um, I would not be surprised if one day he kind of turns into some sort of filmmaker um, as life goes on. So, yeah, but I'm I'm very proud of them, you know, again, knowing that, uh, that they've seen a lot with my career. Um, they've seen a lot of it firsthand, some, you know, and they've uh, they've supported me all all throughout the years. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, because they probably did see a lot. It, it might have been a little bit different because I'm sure. Yeah. Throughout the career throughout their lifetime and their lifetimes that, you know, dad missed a lot of special events, right? That is so true. Yeah, that is yeah. so true, Dale. They, you know, and I, I you know, my kids, in fact, they were, not only were they uh, great students, but uh, uh, my wife and I were always of the, uh, of the of belief that they, our kids needed to always be engaged in some positive activities. And of course, uh, all three of them were very active in a variety of different events, but mostly sports. Um, and so um, I, one thing I committed to, even though, you know, I worked this, uh, this, uh, in this great profession, but understanding that, you know, we didn't have that nine to five job um, that was uh, always at my footsteps, but I always made the commitment that no matter what position I was in, I would always support them in their athletic uh, um, and with my wife who do is phenomenal in her own right, because she took on a tremendous load that uh, even when I was working uh, those crazy hours, but again, I was involved in coaching um, all three of them at a variety of levels uh, all the way through their uh, high school years. Um, Two of my kids, uh, my two daughters went on, to play college sports, uh, one played basketball and one played uh, softball. Um, so, so with that, that gave me the um, really, you know, just the comfort to know that uh, um, my involvement, even though you know, was uh, could be limited at times, but they saw that. Yeah, you're right; they saw it firsthand, and uh, and I also sort of, you know, believe that you know, my wife and I did our very best to try to give them the ability uh, and make it known to them that they would make the decisions of what they would want to do in their lives and not for us to be sort of a demanding. Um, And if they so, you know, chose to go into law enforcement, I would have supported them 100%. But uh, you know, again, they, they, they chose different uh, avenues and I think they chose the right ones based upon their personalities and who they are. And I, like I said, and that just makes me very proud of them. Yeah. Yep. And but now we're having some uh, some experiences now in law enforcement, trying to get people into this profession. Oh. We've noticed that a lot of young people no longer want to be police officers or you know, for, for a variety of reasons. What, what's your perspective on that? Yeah. And it's you know, it's it's that I think that's the uh, I think we're at a, I, I think we're at a turning point. Um, I'm, I've been very disappointed over the past couple of years, but I understand when you think about what's you know, what we see on social media, um, what we hear in the news, 
um, the things that are going on in, in our society, I think we're already challenged um, even before that because I think, we, again, we've created an environment that we push people to do things differently, right? And, and there are different jobs that are available today that they weren't available um, so many years ago. I mean, I, I remember like in law enforcement when I came in, you think about all of the sort of the strict, um, when I say strict, the rules that you had that, you know, your mustache couldn't be of uh, a certain length. You couldn't have a beard. You couldn't have tattoos, right? And look at where we are today. Now, you know, we're hiring people with tattoos. We're allowing, um, you know, officers to wear beards. Um, you know, it's just a different day. And I think we in law enforcement have had to change from this total paramilitary style that still I think some departments haven't gotten to yet. But I think we have to adapt and really understand that we're recruiting a different type of individual now, and we need to be open to that, still keeping our standards high, right? Um, I think you can, but the question is sometimes you have to ask, does having a tattoo that's not offensive on somebody's body, is that is that going to prevent that individual from doing the job, right? Right. And that's the real question that you have to ask um, about a lot of these things when we've set these rules in place. And I think by us loosening that up, we've now opened the door wider um, of more inclusiveness. Um, and I think there's still some debate about some other things that are in the sort of the rules uh, of our uh, our hiring that may need to be adjusted. We're, I know a lot of chiefs, we're talking about that constantly. Um, and the question is where, when, you know, when you make that, how effective is that going to be to really get good people in the door? And I think the other thing that you have, we have to think about in law enforcement, what other jobs are, what are some of the creativity that we can do in law enforcement that attracts young people to the types of jobs that we have? You know, we know that patrol, you know, being in uniform and uh, being that first responder is that is a very important role that every police department has. But there's these other specialties that we also have within this ranks of some of our departments that might be an attraction to, to young people. Or what are some of the benefits? And I think we're trying, we're really starting to wrap our heads around that um, and create that window of opportunity. And I think young people start to experiment and say, I, want, I think I want to be a part of that. Um, and, and not so much get caught in sort of the mindset of yesterday of, of what we think is important. Think about what's coming, you know, in the doors and what people are actually looking for. So I'm, you know, I'm optimistically, um, um, I would, well, I'll put it this way. I'm optimistic about tomorrow. I think that there's still, uh, you know, we're still talking to young people that I still think want to do public service. I think even in this, um, in this era of today, I think there's still people who want to do a job right. It's just that are we creating an environment that says that we want those officers that are not going to be the ones that we're seeing that has created a lot of negativity in our profession. Right. And, and we're saying we want great people. We want good people to come in and do the job. And I think that's the, the message that we gotta, we have to really kind of put out there to, to get these folks uh, to be there to join us and to carry the torch because my days are dwindling but I know there's a lot of people who, who bring a lot of different ideas. Um, and policing undoubtedly looks quite different today than it did when I started 37 yeah. years ago. Yes, yeah. that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, agencies, I, I think, got to be flexible nowadays uh, mm-hmm. for what you know they offer. Uh, people trying to come into the profession um, take, take scheduling for, for, for one thing. I know at least mm-hmm. my department, we, uh, we just recently went to – uh, seniority based bidding where, you know, before we were just, you know, here's your schedule, here's what you work. And, uh, <laughs> it's funny is because, you know, it, it seniority based is where, you know, the most senior guys get to pick and then it goes down the line. Right. And, then, mm-hmm. um, and then usually when it gets down to the lower people, they're, you know, usually stuck with nights and weekends. Funny thing is though, is that when it got down to the younger, to the uh, junior officers on, on, uh, on the schedule to pick, they wanted those weekend nights 
you know, because right. those are the times where it's more action. That's um, right. That's know, exactly so they, right. They actually yeah. wanted that. So it, right. it, it's funny. At least there was that flexibility there. They could have picked, you know, days, you know, uh, weekend, mm-hmm. uh, you know, weekdays, mm-hmm. and but they didn't want that. So, you know, right. having that flexibility. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's important. Um, and again, sometimes we sometimes misread them, right? I think we yeah. think they may want something, but they may not want that something, right? And, you know, we all develop. I remember, yeah, when. Yeah, I would have thought they wanted to have the weekends off so they didn't go party, but. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. 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 And you'll be surprised sometimes what they they come back and tell you, you know. Yeah. Um, Especially when you think about you're a young person and you're starting a new family, right? That's another X factor that we don't put into play. Um, And, you know, I remember starting when we were just starting our family. um, There were these things that I needed you know, working midnight shift. Well, everybody doesn't want to like to work the midnight shift, right? But that worked out perfect for me for, um, you know, for for what we needed to do with uh, child care issues and getting the kids off to school and the like. So, you know, you never know. I think sometimes we read too much into that. But, you know, options are, but what you just stated, I think it's important, Dale, is we got to create some, some, not be so stringent, but to provide some some leeway to all of our officers to make it attractive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now you're in positions to, to you know, to implement those sort of changes as a chief of police. What was kind of your rise through that, um, through that rank structure of your department? Did you have mentors that kind of helped you along the way? Oh yeah, absolutely. I have, I have mentors. I, I will tell you literally uh, when I first started, I, for example, when I first started, in Montgomery County, um, Montgomery County hired its first black officer in 1968. So if we put that into context, I mean, that's clearly in my life during my lifetime. Right. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I came on in 1985, that there were about seven at the time I came on, there were 75 black officers out of about 800 total officers. So clearly a white male dominated profession. Um, to the to the you know nth degree, um, and there were a lot of doors that needed to be knocked down um, at the time that I, even when I came on in the mid eighties, um, and we were still knocking doors down. And there were these what I call sort of a, an original crew of black officers that were my ment- that were my mentors that helped guide me um, in my early years, and then I became involved in some. Uh, black law enforcement organizations, um, such as the National Black Police Association. And when I got involved in that, then I began to really broaden my horizons because then I started meeting people all across the country um, who were courageous warriors. I I would uh, classify them as um, men and women um, who were, again, knocking doors down across the country and to just observe their courage to listen to them and uh, to gain some of that, um, to gain some of that knowledge helped me as I progressed uh, through the ranks here in Montgomery County, only to know that, you know, later on I would be, you know, sort of on the flip side of this. And now I'm out there mentoring um, people along the way over the course of my career. So um, it's given back to what I, what was given to me, I think that's important for us because, you know, even as me now as having risen to the rank of chief, which I would have never imagined, um, not to say that I never thought I could be a chief of police. I just never thought that the doors would open for me here in Montgomery County because all of the stars have to align. Um, And my road wasn't easy. Um, In fact, I thought that I would end up probably, I made assistant chief and I thought, I would probably, you know, have to go apply somewhere else to be a chief somewhere because we have such great leaders that have come through this police department. Um, And but the way, again, the stars align, uh, politics plays itself out. um, And the opportunity was there before me before I knew it. um, And, uh, you know, God opened the door for me. So um, and, 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 and I was there for it. But again, I think it's important for me to never forget and to make sure that I'm mentoring others and guiding them 
as much as I can to help them with their careers. And, and uh, I'm blessed to have been able to do that and still do that. So Nice, nice. And you mentioned when you first came on, there were only about 75 black officers. What, what's the uh, number like today? Yeah, so we're about uh, around 150 now, which, again, it's two times the number about where we were um, when I first came on. It's not where we really want to be. Um, it's not enough, but it's better. And we're more diverse on the police department today. There are more women. Um, there, again, there are more other racial. And Montgomery County is a very um, a very diverse county. So a That's lot of different um, um, uh, ethnic groups and uh, um, racial, uh, um, you know, groups that are part of our county. Um, so, and that's a part of our police department as well, and that's important. Um, but again, and, and you know, we I love to be able to see more African Americans um, in the role, either in my department or across the country. I mean, I think it's important for us to be represented um, because I think we have something to give. Um, people who care about communities, um, people who, you know, work hard, um, and, um, and, uh, we care so much. And I, I've always stated this, it's important that, um, you know, that, you know, we have, uh, people uh, that are representing our communities because they know our communities well, um, and they know how to represent them. Um, and they know what needs to be stated. And, you know, there are times we've had to intervene and, um, bring in uh, um, officers uh, of color who, who who knew the community well enough to be able to mediate problems and avoid bad situations from happening. Um, yeah. That's the you know that's just one of the values that it brings, and it just brings a different perspective. So um, that's why I think it's important for our people never to uh, lose sight of the fact that we're not. Um, needed in this profession. I think we're needed today more than we're needed ever before. Um, and we've been needed for a long time, but I think now um, the way things are going in our society, we are truly needed um, and we're needed at every level. And that's why I think it's important for people in the profession, um, you know, who sometimes sit back and say, oh, I don't want to be a supervisor. I don't want to be in the executive ranks. And I can understand that. I mean, not that everybody is built for this or needs to do that. I think there's leaders in every phase of, of, uh, of, uh, you know, of rank, um, that we have leaders in that on, in every, every form. But I think we also need to understand that the decisions that are made in the boardroom that I call it, if you're not sitting, if you don't have a seat at the, at the table, um, your voice is not necessarily always heard. Yeah. Um, and having a seat at the table gives you an opportunity. So it's something to think about from that perspective is to be able to to be in a place that you can have that seat at the table and express your view. Um, and, uh, and again, with, you know, those who have earned that respect and earned that seat at the table, um, that view at least is put on the table, whether or not it's it's brought into a policy or not. But a lot of times I've been able to shape policy. And clearly now as a chief, I really have that. Uh, I have I have a power unlike before um, to be able to, to move things that I think it's important uh, for the good of everybody, not just for you know one particular group or another, but it, it and again it makes sure that uh, people of color are not dismissed, no matter whichever way you're addressing um, you know any issues that you have before you. Yep, yep. And uh, I know you just kind of mentioned probably your most rewarding part is being a chief is being able to shape policy and implement policy for the good of everybody. Um, but on the flip side of that, what's one of your most challenging parts is being a chief? Well, well, I think the most challenging part is probably, uh, the politics of it all. Um, and, and, you know, as a chief that's not elected, I work at the, again, the pleasure of the County executive, um, there are times that sometimes I, I want to say something, um, but I have to be very cautious about what I say or how I say it, if I could say it at all. Um, and that's the danger zone a little bit about um, and just the, the, the role of a chief. Um, and, um, you know, you just have to be a little bit politically savvy 
to try to navigate those war, waters. And sometimes I, I will tell you, I've had to learn how to utilize other people to maybe express my feeling um, in order to be able to get the message across. Um, and, you know, sometimes you win. I mean, if you think about it, if, if the right people um, get are, are going to the politicians and addressing that, Sometimes you, you'll be surprised that you actually do win the battle, you know, may not win, the, you know, you just, you just gotta, you gotta keep plugging. So uh, from that perspective, I think it can be frustrating, um, you know, from a, from the political wins, but it's all part about, you know, what you kind of signed up for. Right. I mean, it's, it, nobody can say policing is not political because it is. Um, I used to tell my brother who was on the department, he was a, he was a PAL officer. I'll never forget. He he ran the police athletic league that we had at the time. And he would said, man, I don't want to get involved in the politics. I'm like, you're involved in the politics because you're doing a program that, you know, that, that politicians have got a hand in, they control it and you're navigating it, but you're showing them what you can do. The politics always kind of existed. What we do, we just gotta, we just gotta understand what is our role and how do we, how can we best, you know, take advantage of the positive pieces of of, 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 of us being in those roles from a political standpoint, right? But it's yeah. it's just the way you kind of view it. I mean, and, and I can understand why he didn't want to look at it from a political standpoint, because that's, he says, that's not who he was. And, uh, but he was real good at navigating relationships. So he was better at it than he, I think he gave himself credit for. Right, right. Yeah, I always uh, notice that, you know, that stink distinction between, you know, a sheriff who's elected and, you know, Mm -hmm. particularly out here who can speak their mind to the to the commission, you know, uh, right, because they are elected just like they are. So he doesn't really answer to them, but they do hold his purse strings, though. His or hers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're still (laughs) so they can affect him that way. That he doesn't control. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So he has to be very careful, even. Even doing that because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to uh, uh, make those relationships go in a negative way that doesn't doesn't give his department what he needs. So exactly. absolutely, exactly. absolutely. All right, Chief. Hey, I appreciate you coming on, man. This is uh, really insightful. Yeah. I appreciate everything there. But to, hey, you're not done yet. Uh, like I said off air, I'm gonna get a little bit more insight on you, and uh, this is okay. how we're gonna do that. Last night I saw a superhero. He was black. All right, so this is what I call my black lightning round. Let me pull up the questions here for you. We're gonna, I'm just okay. gonna fire some questions for you, and then hopefully okay. you can you can uh, tell me a little bit more about yourself here. So uh, here we go. Here's your first one here. Um, so okay. you are in the DMV in the in the uh, Maryland area. So uh, Ravens or Commanders? Ravens. Ravens. <laughs> well, you were born in Baltimore, right? So that's right. That's right. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Uh, what was your favorite assignment throughout your career? Uh, in nar- working in narcotics. Yeah, I was an undercover officer in narcotics in the during the crack heyday. So that was my favorite assignment. Okay, all right. Um, who's on your playlist of artists that you listen to? Ah, uh, well, that's a good one. Um, I've got a wide variety because I'm a R&B jazz. So I'm a I'm a um, uh, let's see. You could say Luther Vandross. You could mm-hmm. say Anita Baker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say uh, Mint Condition. Um, you could say Earth, Wind, and Fire. Pretty, pretty brown eyes. Uh, pretty brown eyes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, best police vehicle you ever drove? Ah, uh, best police vehicle I ever drove. This will kick you. Um, actually, we seized a, a Hummer. Um, and when I and then one of my assignments when I worked in narcotics, I was actually the drug enforcement commander. Um, so the funny part was we seized the Hummer. Um, I was given the Hummer to drive, so I was like, "What the heck?" The boss told me to drive it, so I'm gonna drive it, even though the chief didn't want me to drive it because it was burning up so much gas. But yeah, that oh, yeah. was the, that was my best vehicle. <laughs> they get like eight miles per gallon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, basically, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I saw a video of a cooking show with you on it. So uh, probably yeah. a couple of years ago. So what, what, yeah. what's, your go, what's your go-to dish to prepare? 
<laughs> so that was interesting because that was a baking show, and I'm not a baker, um, okay. so so I can't I can't proclaim to be the baker. But my favorite go to dish, my kids will laugh at me, but I love to cook uh, fried chicken and rice aroni. Um, and, uh, and, and my kids used to love that coming up. So whenever they come over, sometimes they'll force me to, to make that. Uh, no, Just for old time's sake. Yeah, yeah, that was the rush dish when you were young. Yeah. <laughs> love me some yeah. rice <laughs> You ever had an on duty injury? Uh, I have not had an on-duty injury. Knock on wood. Yeah. Yes, um, the only time I've ever been injured on a job, or well, technically it wasn't, it was sort of quasi, I would say, was uh, I was working out at the academy playing basketball, and I ended up spraining my ankle. Um, and I was out of work for a few few months as a result of that with a bad ankle sprain. But beyond that, I've not, I've been fortunate, I've been blessed, I've not been injured on, on the job. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, name a person, dead or alive, that you would like to meet if you could. Uh, I think the number one person always comes to my mind was Martin Luther King, Dr. King, because he was always my idol. Um, I looked up to him ever since I was probably like around in the fifth or sixth grade. So, yeah, that would be he's always the number one person that comes to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Um, biggest technological advancement you've seen during your career in policing? Ooh, that's heavy. That's heavy. I would probably say, you know, it maybe sounds basic, but it's probably um, computers and police cars. Um, I would have never dreamed that um, in 1985, 1986. Uh, I could never have even imagine what that looked like. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I would probably say that's probably one of the biggest technological advances to be able to, you know, to see how far that's come with computer aided dispatch and the like. It's just yeah. I think that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. You, you used to do this back when I had to take. Nah, a call, you right? better believe <laughs> I had plenty, plenty of pens and paper, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> So who who plays uh, Chief Marcus Jones in the movie of your life? <laughs> Whoa. Uh, that that's a good one. I I'd have to think about that one. I don't know who, who would play me. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I got I got some Lou Gossett uh, vibes from you. Okay, 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 okay. Although he's probably even he's probably older than you now. So yeah, <laughs> low, oh yeah, Lou's yeah. older than I am. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Probably not. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling the officer and the gentleman. That's what I'm getting. Okay, I got yeah. it. Okay, understood. Understood. I like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, what city outside of the United States would you uh, have a chance if you could, if they called you to be their chief? What city outside of the United States? Yeah, if they called and said, Marcus uh, Jones, we want you to you be our come chief. Come down and be be our chief. Um, oh man. It would have to wherever it is. It has to be in the Caribbean. Okay. So yeah. So I, I would love to be the chief in maybe in Jamaica or you know uh, one of the Caribbean islands. That would be that would be ideal for me. There you go. And lastly, what guilty pleasure do you have? Whether it be food, uh, TV show, anything. Um, guilty pleasure. I would probably say. Um, let's see. I'm a, you know, like a TV show. I'm a, I'm, there's lots of uh, things that I like to watch. I will say, like, I watch First 48 is one of my favorite TV series. I don't know. I just get sort of kind of like uh, engaged in investigative shows because that's what I, where I'm at naturally. So sometimes I, my wife laughs at me. She's like, I can't believe you watch this stuff. But then she's sitting there right there with me watching yeah. every step of the way. So, yeah, but it's pretty cool. I, I, I get, I love those types of uh, shows from that perspective. So, okay. Just to see yeah. how other agencies handle different things. Yeah, right? to see how they, they handle their investigators, how they do go about investigations. I always find, you know, different parts of the country has their uniqueness, right, about policing. And it, it goes to the whole thing about how policing, though similar, is different. When you have 18,000 police departments in the country, and this is what I try to explain to the public all the time is that policing is local. So it's all about the relationships you build, you know, where you are. But it's also how you go about doing things and the resources that you have 
available to you as well. It's very unique in its own right. So, yeah, I think that that to me, it's a, it's it's you know, I find that to be quite interesting, particularly when I get to talk to a lot of other police chiefs around the country, and we have different ways of doing things. But again, the goal and the mission is the same. You know, it's it's very very unique. Yep, absolutely. All right, Chief Jones. Hey, again, I appreciate you coming on. Hey, before I get you out of here, how about some words of wisdom for the audience? Uh, I will just say the words of wisdom um, I will say is, um, you know, it is very important that, again, as I noted earlier about uh, uh, the African-American officers who uh, and uh, recruiting is to go out and we are our best recruiters. Um, and to help our own communities, we've got to go out and sell this to, to young people and our people who are just very much either interested in a career or even if you don't think that uh, they think they're interested, to talk to them about these careers because sometimes people um, just, uh, you know, getting an idea about what this might be about may be a little bit different than what um, your experiences and you sharing that with them can maybe open up a door for somebody. So don't be afraid to take that challenge. And um, again, we need you to be the recruiters of tomorrow uh, to bring our people in today. So, so keep that in the back of your minds. We'll do. We'll do. All right, chief Jones. I, again, I appreciate you coming on and uh, Hey, you have fun and be safe out there in uh, uh, Montgomery County, Maryland. Dale, thank you so very much. Please stay safe and everybody else stay safe. And thank you so very much for having me. I've enjoyed this. Thank you. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do. Take care. Okay, take care. We'll see you there soon. You got it. Hey, another outstanding interview in the books. I want to thank Montgomery County Police Chief Marcus Jones for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chop it up with me. I really appreciate that. If you guys out there appreciated this episode, go on ahead and let me know by leaving a comment in the section below. Don't forget to click those like, subscribe, and share buttons for this episode, too. I'll be back real soon with another outstanding interview, just like this one. But till then, y'all already know. Stay black and blue. I'll holler at you. Peace. This has been a Nature D Entertainment presentation.